Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to episode number 137. That's 137 of Wings, Beers, and Tears. If you haven't heard us, we are your one-stop shopping for DMV Sports. And we're going to get right down to it tonight. We have a special guest in the house tonight. I am Todd, joined as always by Jerry. Hello. And we've got Frank with us tonight to talk a little NFL. What's going on, Frank? Not that much. Uh, happy to be on. Excellent, excellent. So we're going to impart some NFL knowledge to start the pod today. Then we're going to dive into why Maryland underachieves in football. We're going to look forward to the positive, which is basketball starting next week. And, and we'll, we have to talk about the positive of Nick Backstrom not playing hockey. And right we now. are going to finish it off with our Caps talk, and there's a lot to talk about. Um, so, hey, let's get right down to it. We're going to bounce around, hit hit all the topics, and uh, you know, and there we go. But, uh, hey, happy true fall season to everybody. It is now November, and it feels like it. It's nice and crisp and cold. It is th- that later season football weather that I absolutely love. Um, and the NFL trade deadline came and went this past Halloween, and your Washington Commanders were at front. They were at the forefront of the uh, the entire NFL world, really, sending off both um, Montez Sweat and Chase Young for for a second and a third round, respectively. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit. But I got to tell you, Jerry, this Commanders team is fucking terrible. They're so bad. Not good. They're they're so bad. Um, and for anybody out there that says, for a bad team, why would you trade away two young assets like that? The answer is, they are the 28th ranked defense in the NFL. So who gives a shit if you trade away two of the players? Somebody was, I heard somebody on the radio today go, oh man, I dude, the next few weeks are going to be so hard to watch this defense. Um, it's been really hard to watch the defense, and those two obviously didn't make a discernible difference between... 28th and 29th or 27th. So who gives a shit at this point? Yeah. So, you know. I mean, Frankie, you can go into it, but for me, the it's not even about the production. It's you're not going to resign one or both, right? So you only have them for eight, nine more games. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you got to – the trade for Sweat was fairly prudent uh, mm-hmm. because you have to resign him, and they got a second – and because the Bears are so poor that we might, it's it's going to be a top thirty-five pick, right? The third rounder for Young is most likely closer to the fourth round because it's one of the compensatory picks. But again, they made they cleared the signal. They signaled him when they didn't tender him, right? So he wasn't coming back. So you got a third rounder. You don't have to wait. They would have gotten a third round comp pick, but you get it a year early. So now they have uh, what someone said ninety million dollars in cap space for next year, and three top fifty picks for, and they'll get a real GM. So it's something to work for. Yeah, I I have a very strong feeling that Chase Young is going to start hitting tackles magically just because he's not on the Commanders anymore. Um. <laughs> well, he'll start trying because you can't not try when Joey Bosa's on the other exactly, side. Exactly, exactly. So he's getting and he's playing for money, Frankie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's obviously he's going to have way more upside on the Niners than he probably would have on the Commanders. But I I think to trade away a player for nine games and get a pick for it is a smart decision, and I I I, I do back it. Um, I I definitely think Sweat is like a big loss. I like I the only bright part of their defense for me was him. You know what I mean? But yet again, I mean. They, they need that space right now more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they were going to uh, 
it didn't sound like they were going to re-sign him. I think maybe they were, but getting that pick uh, and getting that cap space for, I mean, you're right, Todd. I mean, look, look, they were getting gashed when they had all these first rounders. Yeah. What, what we thought, <clears throat> so you go all the way back to that 2020, 2021 weird time when this team was really bad and they had no offense, but they were competitive because the defense was a top 10 to 12 to 15 defense pretty consistently. And they were winning those games 17, 13. And we're like, eh, well, they're not very good, but at least they're competitive. We all thought, I mean, in our season preview this year, Jerry, we agreed that this team was going to win games in the low 20s, high teens. The defense was going to be the the real stalwarts of this team. And, and you know, and then as far as, as far as they went, this team would go. And it's kind of been the opposite. The offense is putting up some gaudy numbers from time to time. Um, the Giants' stinker game, you know, is the outlier. But they, they, they seem to be coming into form a bit offensively um, and credit you know, be enemy and a makeshift offensive line and Sam House starting to come into his own a little bit. So against the Eagles, their offensive line did so many wonders for Sam Howell, giving him so much time. And obviously it was, you know, Sammy Sosa that game. That was his game. But I do think like credit to the offensive line, it really is kind of last second. But I think their offense has been one of the biggest surprises the entire year. Like, the wide receivers, like, they have a good wide receiving core, surprisingly. Like, I, I don't know. I think I just overlooked it because of the defense. And now, having overestimated the defense, it kind of shines a little bit more. Well, I mean, the defense is giving up 28.5 points a game, which is <laughs> pretty much last in the league. I it's so they, bad at the yeah. NFL level. But and keep in mind that they are not playing I mean they're playing some good teams but they're not playing a slot like not it's not like they played eight juggernauts. I mean they played Arizona, right? They played the Giants, the um, Bears who put up 40, right? They played <laughs> I mean, the the, uh, the Broncos. Right? I mean they're they're not playing the elite of the elite and they're still the worst scoring defense um in the league. They give up 100 more yards a game than the Ravens do. And I bitch about the Ravens not being able to get off the field sometimes. Sure. But 100 more yards a game is a ton of – It's staggering. That's like five possessions. I mean, that's eight to ten first downs, give or take, you know, depending on, you know, chunk plays. It's crazy. So let me ask you this because I think I watch football pretty analytically. You know, I'm I'm a homer because I want my team to win, but I'm also not blind. You know, I've said this is a six-win team. And, by the way, they're three and five. With nine games to play, they're probably going to win six games. You, you're closer to that than I was. Um, but you know defenses. And when we were watching the Penn State-Ohio State game here a couple weeks ago, you, you actually paused the game and rewound it, and he did a little uh, chalk talk for me and showed me what you know Penn State was doing on a play. And I thought that was pretty, pretty good. What is it about the commanders that, that is such a failure right now? Is it personnel? Is it Jack Del Rio? What, what, what do you think? Well, um, I mean – so Jack Del Rio to me is an enigma uh, because when you think he sucks, he then he turns it on. Like last year, remember how good they got at the end of the year, and that's why everybody was so high on him coming in. Um, what's always confused me about their defense is that they put no emphasis on linebackers, and I can't really figure out why um, because their linebackers are so below average, and it's obviously not a premium to their scheme. 
Um, I don't think – I think their corners are probably, uh, you know, a little long in the tooth. Kendall Fuller's not elite. Um, and I think they're probably just average. Cam Curl seems to get a lot of, a lot of hype, and I'm, I'm with it. But, you know, the talent in the back seven, I guess what I'm saying is, is probably not where it needs to be overall. Um, the good news is that they don't have a lot of big contracts other than their front four. And so, right. Well, I mean, they're front two. Uh, but you can draft a, a competent defensive end in the third round, right? Um, and you know what helps – you know what generally helps defenses is offenses that can run the ball – or can run the ball, score points, and or at least take up time. It's probably a combination of both. Um, but you would think Del Rio could put something together to be a mid-level defense. And I don't understand. I don't understand why. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean they run. A, they run like this four-two-five. Yep. Right? So, and I guess that's conducive with the NFL style when you're having more spread. Sure. Um, but it, it it just seems like they're vulnerable against the run. I'm with you. It's almost like that mid-level where the linebackers would traditionally in a, in a traditional four-three. You know, when that running back hits the hole or whatever. You got a good linebacking core that ends up being a four-yard gain instead of a seven-yard game. You know, it's almost like they're so afraid to get torched down the field that they 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 kind of stay in this mini like little semicircle, and then yeah. the middle of the field becomes this just giant void of green grass. Because I don't know how many times on third and seven do I see a guy pick up thirteen yards and there isn't a guy within five yards of him, and it, it, it's staggering the consistency with which that happens. It. Ron Rivera's legacy, in my eyes, will be his lack of ability to pick players in the draft and make personnel decisions. I mean, what we're seeing now is, and I know it's early, and he's only eight, nine games in, but um, the the corner that they picked in the first round. Um, Emmanuel Forbes, yeah. I, he, he's a little overwhelmed, right? I mean, you, you just, like, him- just like Jamin Davis was. But that's a constant theme. That's two out of two, right? Um you know, and Dotson had a good game, but he's been a quiet season so far, right? So, and they don't, their offensive line doesn't seem to ever work out. So it, it doesn't seem personnel wise that he gives himself a chance to, uh, like the, the two Martys and Ron, that's clearly not the, that's clearly not the NFL. That, that might have been the NFL like 10 years ago. That's not the NFL now. And it's pretty clear to me that Ron Rivera is done. I don't know what the upside is to fire him during the season unless things just go off the rails. Um, but I, I think there's going to be a house cleaning of all levels and to start afresh, which is probably what has to happen. Yeah. So coming into the year, the one of the defensive players I was aware of was Emmanuel Forbes for sure. Um, but everyone keeps using the same excuse. You put him against wide receiver ones all the time, he's going to get, nah, that's not the point of a first-round pick. You know what I mean? Like, first-round picks are supposed to be league-ready, unfortunately. You know what I mean? They're supposed to be... We, we look at even running backs. You know, you can't really compare the two, but some games translate better. And obviously, he's a little a little lost on the field sometimes, and he's, it's just not fast enough. And it's, it's hard to have... Go all-in on a, a bunch of players and just have them turn out not to be what you wanted them to be. You know, and it's happened, in my opinion, twice now. 
uh, defensively. Yeah, and it, Jerry has said it on this pod, and, and he's 100% right. There, there's so much talent in the draft because you see undrafted free agents making squads. I mean, there's, there's, there are a ton of players that are available that are super, super talented. If you're lucky enough to get one of those top 20, 25 picks, that guy has got to start. Unless you're going all in on a project that's a three- or four-year project because you have the luxury of letting him wait in line, a la, you know, maybe you have a stud linebacker, but this guy's the heir apparent, and you've got a couple years to ease him in, or the quarterback position, obviously. If, you, if, you let, if you've got a good veteran quarterback, but you go, this is our next guy, that kind of thing. Other than that, who you pick in the first round needs to be NFL ready because those guys are out there. And there's a safety for he's a he's a corner slash safety for San Fran. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's having a fantastic year. He was their first round pick. And he has started every game for San Francisco. And he is basically you just plug him in and you can't tell whether he's a first year rookie or a tenth year vet. And I'm sitting there going, he was drafted thirtieth, twenty ninth. And we're, here we have Forbes, and they're going, well, you know, you got to be patient, guys. He might not be ready. Why the fuck did you take him there then? Well, that, that, well, one, because you don't evaluate correctly. But two, like Daryl Green was pretty harsh on the defensive staff this week about Forbes and said that uh, they're not coaching him correctly. He's not getting a lot of help. He that. said, I could come here in 20 minutes and improve him, uh, which is an indictment on the entire defensive staff. So you take that now. That could also be an old school player who's now long in yeah. the tooth and remembers the glory days of you know. So, but I mean, when you take that, I did watch Chase Young a lot, and there were plays where he just did not give much effort uh, when the ball was run away from him or when he wasn't involved in the play. It's not like he was going eleven hats to the ball type stuff. Um, so he was clearly disgruntled, but the coaches allowed that to happen. Right, you allowed him to play like that. So. I think there is probably a coaching systematic uh, issue, and that stems from Del Rio. Uh, the junkie said today that if Ron Rivera gets fired, uh, Del Rio walks. So maybe that's another reason why you don't, because you don't want to upheave. I mean, I, I, I see you shrugging your shoulders, but you, you, have to ha- you, you can't have anarchy, right? You, ha- you have to have some sort of uh, structure. And letting coaches walk now, that's not that's not a good look. So, uh, plus Ron Rivera is popular with the players, and so is Del Rio. So, at least maybe with some of them, at least on the surface. So, I don't think you want to give that look now. So that 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 would be a bad decision. But I don't think the coaching is very good on the team. Yeah, I I think it's like. Uh, like everything else, very average on the team, and there's so much more potential for upside. Going back to um, Young on on certain plays, he's not he's not finishing plays. He's so unmotivated. And when we'll watch people play, like you know, even just Bosa, for example, you're afraid when he is on the field from the beginning, like from the from the snap to the end of the play. You're you're afraid of what Bosa's potential is. Young, if you just get the ball away if you just walk the other direction it's like he he's not really staying with it and now obviously like we said on San on San Fran he will he will turn up I do believe but I mean this draft class is maybe the worst they've had the, the, not, the current one yeah, yeah there's not yeah. a player that is helping them 
I think they have a running back out of Kentucky that has like a few carries. Chris Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah. But but not he I mean he's your third running back. They're not there's not a person on the on the roster now that is starting. And that's an indictment. I mean and I, I have to say, what does that speak more to? Their poor recruiting, their poor development. You know what I mean? Like, there's. I, I feel like it, you can't just miss on every single one. <laughs> they just don't. They don't. They don't pick good players. But we've said that for three or four years. They don't. They don't pick good players. Now, but I got to tell you, this the the fact that they've traded away two young defensive ends, and they were you know high profile within the league, tells you that this coaching staff and the Martys and this current regime is done because this is. This reeks of Josh Harris and some of the other, you know, um, admin people that he has working for him now. Going, hey guys, we're looking ahead. Right. But to your point, they're doing it in a classy way. They're letting this coaching staff see it through. They are professionals. You know, Ron Rivera. We have said it a hundred times. He's a good man. He's a professional human being. Right. And and for that reason, a lot of players do like him. They're just they're just not a, a very good NFL no, football I team. I think that I I think they're old, and I think. The cliche, the game has passed them by. I, yep. I, I just couldn't agree think more that they were good 15 years ago. And, you know, when I see a coach, if they bring someone over 65, I'm going to, sh- <laughs> I don't give a shit who it is. I don't care if it's Bill Belichick and all, uh, with all that. Yeah, that's a waste of money. I can't believe that's real. Not, I, um, I can't believe that. But you need to bring a young gun who can um, who can adapt to the way these young coaches do now. I mean, that's the way to go. the 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 track record is there for that. Well, so nowadays the offensive schemes have changed so much. It's like you you really can't coach the same way anymore. With, I mean, some of the coaches in this league are like. A few years older than me, you know what I mean? Like, like you you look at some teams and you're like, wow, it's just air raid. It's like it's scary. Well, everything's everything's spread. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. the the days of using a fullback are pretty much non-existent. Yep. The day, right? The days of you, but well, yeah, but even that is like I know, I know. The days of using a tight end like Donnie Warren are over. You want a tight end that you can split out. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're Mark and Andrews. Scenes, you're you're, you're you not know. using him for blocking. No, no. It's your Mark Andrews. Your Darren Wallers. Your Travis Kelsey's. Kelsey. Your you know Kelsey's a prime example. Yep. He's yeah. not. I mean, he'll he'll give some effort on blocking, but you don't. You not you. His weapon is he's uncoverable by linebackers. Exactly. Right. And I think Gronk was really the the one that you know for for the longest time. Yeah, he was so big he could chip and he could block when he had right. to, but. You put that guy out in space and you throw the ball there. You know, I, th- I think what we are learning is it was all Brady. Oh, hundred percent. It was all Brady. Hundred I mean, percent. If, if you can get a quarterback that can get up and know where his receiver is going to be, and more importantly, where the cornerback is going to be or the defender, at the time he snaps the ball, he knows exactly where he's going, but he doesn't have to look there because he knows. That's. I mean, he's just. It's almost uncoverable, right? Because, you know, I always. I, we have these conversations of good counsel. We have a defense uh, that is a prevent, not not prevent. It's a nickel defense. It's a, you bring in, you take a lineman out, and you bring in um, a corner. And the discussion is: is well, now we're dropping seven or eight, but if the quarterback has enough time, you could drop fifty, and there'll be a gap somewhere because no one can hold it that long, right? 
And but there are other people that believe that no, event, you know, your three is going to get there, and this is the best chance to get them off the field. Um, I think now it's all spread. You know, everything is spread. All of the um, all of the 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 rules are offensive favored. You can't touch anyone anymore. Yeah. Yep. You know, you could play. Yeah, you could play cut tough defense when you could. You know, you could even get off the line on Deion Sanders. He yeah. would be on you, yeah. and then he could run with you, right? You can't do that anymore, and it's it makes it more of a viable game for fantasy purposes and to watch. You know, you you want games that are like thirty to thirty five to thirty. Nobody wants to watch seventeen sixteen games. It's boring, except for me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I I think that jo- I am hopeful, and Josh Harris so far gets a pass just because his name's not Dan Snyder. But this will be the momentos who he picks. If he picks some old dude, I'm already like, eh, this guy's not going to work, at least early, you know? Yeah, I I do agree with that. I have to say, I, I going back to Brady, I know this is like off topic, but I, I watched a video of him recently and him and Bill Belichick in their office describing like a play, a breakdown, like when the cornerback will drop, you know, like just like, like a wheel route. Like, you know what I'm saying? The way Brady described it, Bill Belichick was just nodding his head and agreeing. You know what I mean? Like there's, so when you're on the offense and you designed it, it's a whole different game. And so that's why I would, I would hate to see, I would hate to see the Redskins pick up Bill Belichick. Oh, I mean, Bill Belichick is a hall of fame coach. He's brilliant, brilliant defensive mind, but you can have all the schemes and things, but if you don't have the Jimmy's and the Joe's, right. I mean, you're not going to be special. Yep. You know? And he's not. I mean, he was in Cleveland, and he got fired. It wasn't until he had Tom Brady. So that it just shows you, like, how great Tom Brady was. Yeah, man. All right, so we're going to wrap up our NFL talk. I'm going to let you go, Frank. And uh, – we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye to Frank. He's he's uh he's popular. He's got some uh, activities to go to this evening. So Frank, he's got actual friends. Yeah, exactly. So Frankie, let's give uh, the Wings Beers and Tears crowd a little uh, goodbye. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Uh, appreciate you having me. Go Hokies. <laughs> we'll get you on again. Uh, we'll we'll have to do a uh, we'll have to do a fantasy uh, pod next year. And, and yeah, and get uh and get Frankie on for that one. All right, peace, Frank. All right, so. Um, yeah, so Commanders turning the corner. It's a new leaf. It's a new regime. Thank God. Um, and away we go. So, so, Todd, I have to tell you, West Virginia's 5-3. and three. Maryland's 5-3. and three. Yep. I didn't see that coming. Me neither, Jerry. Um, look, man, I'm, I'm not happy. Um, I'm not at the pitchforks and, you know, uh, level yet, you know, like, you know, run this coaching staff out of town, but... <clears throat> the last two weeks, the, the last two games have been two of the worst performances of the Loxley era. You know why? It's because you had expectations. It's possible. No, that's, I mean, if, if, it, if it, this were when Jeremy was here, right? it would have been like, well, we're going to make a bowl, and we're happy. But God damn, man. I mean, here's the deal. In college football, <laughs> talent level is everything. And for once in the last 20 years, probably going back to some of the better Frigian years, this Maryland team this year was more talented than the majority of the teams that they were playing by a fairly good margin. Certainly the last two weeks. Of course. So 
you know, you go back earlier in the year and they were losing to Charlotte 14 nothing, but you weren't worried because the talent disparity was so big that Maryland was going to eventually run over them, and they did. I don't think Illinois nor Northwestern are that much more talented than UVA or even Charlotte for that matter. And seven, eight weeks into the season now, this Maryland team is regressing. And it really is. They look they look a little lost. Their personnel groupings make me scratch my head, both offensively and defensively. Um, and their will to overcome when things get a little tough, when they miss an easy throw or they miss a block or they get a personal foul, like the head drops, and you can see it from the coaching staff onto the guys on the bench to the starters. Everybody just stands there like, oh, shit, here we go again. And we're talking Illinois and Northwestern for fuck's sake. I'm not talking about Penn State, who they're going to play in a couple days, who's going to absolutely shit kick Maryland. You know, I'm so worried about this game. I'm going to go to the game Saturday because Andre and I have um, a concert to go to Saturday night, and it's in Silver Spring, so we're going to be close by. Who are you going to so, see? Iration. Oh, okay. Yeah, reggae band down in uh, at the Fillmore in Silver Spring. So we already have like a nice day and evening plan. We're going to tailgate with friends. We're going to go to the game. Then we're going to go down there and have dinner and stuff. But if it weren't for that, I'll be honest with you, I, I may have just given my tickets away to some friends. It, Penn State's going to absolutely kick the shit out of Maryland on Saturday. So we played we played Gonzaga on Saturday, and a coach in the booth looked at me and said, Maryland just lost Northwestern. And I was like, yeah. you're kidding. Yeah. I, I didn't. I forgot. You know, they were playing at the same time we were playing. Um, it didn't even cross my mind that that was possible. Um, the Illinois game was disappointing because it just seems like something happened in the second half of that Ohio State game, and I'm wondering. I know if I'm wondering if that's when everybody got wise to some scheme thing they were doing. Some personnel. When when this guy comes in, this is what what you have to look for. Right, but. Um, I mean, it's not like Little Tua wasn't moving the ball um, yeah. against uh, Illinois anyway. Now, I, did, I, I don't know a lot about what happened at Northwestern other than they lost. Can you describe for me what happened? Yeah, uh, very lackluster performance from the defense on the road. This was a Northwestern team that had trouble doing anything offensively. Their quarterback in the first half was 14 for 15 for a buck 79 and two touches. Jesus. I mean... Big chunk plays, 20, 25 yards at a time. Do you think the I, the the arrest of the uh, the coach that was – do you think that had anything to do with it? I, I don't think so. I can't think of in, in a major college football program that needs or relies on one person so much. Yeah, no. Like you got a whole staff of college coaches. Uh, uh, Jerry, no, no I, I don't think that that really had anything to do with it. Um, this, is, this is a classic example of uh, a team – with expectations, who doesn't know how to close the deal on on games, on series, defensively getting off the field, offensively keeping the chains moving. The second adversity strikes this team, they wilt like a flower. They are very weak-minded. Well, going to the weedeater.com bowl may have been acceptable a couple of years ago, but it's a huge disappointment for this group, this group of cats they have. I, I completely agree with you. And... You know, not to jump ahead or be too much of a Debbie Downer, and I know Mitch is going to kill me for being so negative right now, but the reality is, and I've said it since I think week two or three, when Loxley stood up there in his press conference and he kind of slammed his fist down, he said, this is not the same old Maryland. 
He goes, we are here to win championships. We're here to win big games. We're here. Oh, fuck. What the fuck happened? Win the, win the small games. Dude, win the games you're supposed to win, and you won eight this year. Pull off an upset, you got nine. Now it's special. Now, Jerry, I'm looking at the rest of the schedule, and I'm going, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. They might not win Penn, another game. Penn State, Rutgers, and Michigan. Assuming Michigan still has a team, right? <laughs> First of all, that motherfucker is the most corrupt coach in the history is, of sports. Is he ever? How is he not fired and they're not on probation? I don't. Right now, what more do you need? I don't get it, man. Have you seen the video of the, the guy at the Central Michigan game wearing the glasses? Oh, and totally. He's recording the oh, yeah. blue light? I mean, it is crazy. It, it's nuts, dude. Um, but anyway. But I yeah. Regret. No, no, no. You're right, though. You're, so we're talking about Penn State this weekend. Then um, the following weekend, they're at Nebraska. Uh, holy who, shit. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, I don't think they win that game. There's no way. They better win that game. I, I don't think they're going to. Um, then you get Michigan at home, and like you said, Michigan's Assuming everything is on the up and up. Sure. And then you have to go on the road at Rutgers at the end of the year. And Rutgers is good. They're 6-2 and two right now, yeah, they're and, and they're playing really well. Um, I am terribly worried because if the wheels actually fall off on this team... What happened? How do you not clean house? Right. I, well, financially speaking, they can't really clean house. What happens but, if they? So if they win one, what's their record? They're five and three. Yep. So let's say that this that six and six. They got to win one to go six and six. What ugh. happens if they go six and six? And they go. You, you don't really do it. You can't do anything. No. So if they go six and six, they make some shitty bowl again, yeah. right? And half the the good players aren't going to play. I mean, no, you know, but but you, you only use bowls to practice young kids. Yeah, right? I, I, I get you it. Go, uh, you get like a free shirt or something. But uh, sure, no, I get it. But um, um, but, 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 but the but momentum I'm, that this program had early in the season, they have a great fucking quarterback. Great quarter, best quarterback they've they've had in a while. Yeah, you know, numbers wise, he is the best. Yeah. I mean, he shattered Boomer's record. So, I mean, you're talking about the best quarterback. You're talking about um, two offensive linemen that are going to make make the pros. You're talking about a number of skill guys that are probably going to play at the next level. And then defensively, I've said it before, the best linebacker that they have had since E.J. Henderson. Right. And a very competent secondary. And I don't like understand. Like, it's not like Illinois and Northwestern, are. they don't have a lot of pro dudes. No. Certainly their quarterbacks aren't pros. No. No, you're talking about two very average programs in Illinois and Northwestern, but here's the difference, man. Those programs recruit well on the lines, yeah. and they their coaching staffs, are they know what they are. I don't know if you ask Loxley what is the DNA of this team, I don't know what he would say other than we have Tilia. You know? Um, and that's a bit concerning because I just don't know – I just don't know if they know what they are. I just wonder if something happened internally, like in the locker room, or just to make the, 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 the lose focus, to yeah. lose intensity. Now, um, now, Frank just left us, obviously, but he had an interesting take. And he goes, look, I don't think Maryland beats Penn State, but he talked me off the ledge yesterday because <laughs> I was bitching and moaning. And he goes, here's the deal, Dad. He was like, as bad as they were against Illinois and Northwestern, and it was atrocious, he goes, their talent level is so much better than it's been. He goes, this is a game at home that you could see them pull a Commanders versus Eagles and go toe-to-toe with them. They have to come out in the first half and keep it 
tied or be ahead? They're, they got two things going for them. Number one, it's at home. Number two, all the film that Penn State's got on Maryland is Maryland beating up on teams early in the season. That first half against Ohio State that was close. And then two games that are basically throwaway film. You know, at this point, Todd, film is not important because oh, you might be right about because that. Because the scheme, your scheme is your scheme. No, you might be right, right about that. You're not that. coming out and playing like totally different. But here's here's you just have to play better. And but here's the thing they have going for them. If there's a silver lining here for Maryland, Penn State's quarterback is young. And I don't think he's that good. I think their coaching staff, while they're they're they got a bunch they of guys, have not played anybody. And when Except they, Ohio State, and they lost. That's right. That's it. The, the one team they've played that is competent, yep. they've lost. Yep. They have the weakest, one of the weakest schedules in college football. And I don't know if you saw the Indiana game last week. They were losing to Indiana in the fourth quarter at home. I will be the biggest fucking Will you fan. be like the biggest Maryland fan ever? I'll be the biggest Maryland fan ever. Um, I, I'm watching the Caps get scored on and... 20 seconds. Holy shit. Ah, fuck me. Um, <laughs> uh, on Saturday, I mean, I, I just, I, Penn State fans are obnoxious. The worst. The worst. So One uh, of the worst. Not with, not, notwithstanding the, the Pauls, I like them, but. <laughs> now, I, it, I, I think if I'm a betting man this weekend, I'm going, I'm just going to go ahead and do the prediction. I'm going to say 38-24 Penn State. And that, yeah. that score looks decent, but you know, I I, I think Maryland's a two score uh, underdog to them, and and that's where it ends up. Yeah, I'm going to say know. 38-20. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, and 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 if Maryland can keep it close, yay! But the the time for moral victories is over. Yeah, this is not a moral victory season. No, and but it got out of hand, and it's a it got out of hand at a time that was poor because you had the big games coming. And yeah. It, they needed it to be trending in the right direction with confidence, et cetera, et cetera, and they're going backwards. Yep. And that leads to disaster. Yep. I this really is the biggest coaching week of Mike Loxley's career. It is. It is. And as far as the recruiting and turf battles go, I mean, doesn't get much more close no, to home they, than Penn State in Penn terms State, of the big dog in your backyard. Penn State owns the DMV. They do not not owns it, but they nah, they're, they, 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 they're they're pretty fucking you know well schooled in their in their recruiting. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm bummed because the Illinois game sucked. It's going to happen in college football when you're not one of the elites. You're going to have a one-off week. Right. It was weird. It was uh, it was a weird game. Illinois played really really well. Maryland played poorly, and look at the result. Um, the 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 loss at Northwestern is just absolutely unacceptable. Right. At every single level. And and to his credit, it's not like Loxley's up there doing the Ron Rivera thing going, Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're developing guys. You well, know, quarterback played pretty well. Yeah, yeah, no, he was he was just like you know, he's like, I'm embarrassed. I think he said embarrassed. He goes, I'm embarrassed. He goes, This is on us as coaches, it's on the players as players. He's like, nothing today was even remotely close to Maryland Pride. Right. You know? And and I appreciate the candor, but what, I mean, what else are you gonna say? I mean, All right, you know. Give me a five, give me a one minute dissertation on the Maryland basketball because the hype preseason is pretty big. I mean I, um, I know the names, but but how are things Yeah. So they are they they have to me, this is the perfect mix of returning veteran guys and young talent. Usually you have one or the other in college basketball. Usually you've got 
you know, three or four freshmen that you're banking on and you know it's going to be growing pains. Or you've got the returning vet guys and you go, we got one last shot at this thing. This is a combination of the two. And it doesn't happen that often. And um, I'm really excited. Tell me, I mean, I I know they got uh, Young back. Yes. And I know they got Juju. Yes. Right, obviously. And they got the the guy who's like 50 years old. Dante Scott. Yeah, Dante Scott. Yep. Um, Who are the new guys? I knew we were talking. All I remember last year was we were talking about Hunter Dickinson, Dickinson, Dickinson. Yep. Who do they have that's going to be really – um, someone we should take a look at. Uh, didn't they get a sharpshooter? Yeah, so they got the the shooter, Chance Stevens, I think is his name, came from, uh, shit, where did he come from? SMU or something like that. Um, he's a three-point guy, um, but it's the three freshmen that I'm super excited about. Kid from PVI. Yep, so it's um, Deshaun Harris-Smith. And he from St. Fr- one of them's from St. Francis, yep. one of them's from PVI. Yep, um, Jamie Kaiser. Um He's the one I think I'm I'm most excited about, um, and you know, and and not not to get lost in this, but a bunch of the the bench players from last year that got some some key minutes as the year went on, they're back too. You know, they have a legit backup for Juju in the post. You know, he's awkward, he's he's weird looking, but he's just about seven feet, and he posterized Hunter Dickinson last year. I mean, that guy's got some talent. You know, um, so they're they're deep at at every position um i like the way willard coaches and he said it last year about midway through the year he had, uh chris knock was interviewing him he's like yeah it was interesting in the second half coach he goes you only played six guys he goes but the other guys that played in the first half you know i thought they did a good job but you didn't put them in in the second half and he goes you get three media t- timeouts each team usually has three timeouts in the second half he goes it's only 20 minutes of basketball he goes if I got six studs, he goes, I'm rotating six guys unless I have to because right. of fouls or whatever. And he's like, that's what I want. He goes, I need eight, nine guys for a season. Because in the second half of a big game, I only need six. <laughs> and I kind of like that mentality because it's like anti-Turgeon, you know. Right. Um, but and this year, I think, is going to be the year that you're going to see that more aggressive uh, approach from a guy like Willard really pay off. Well, um, I mean, he's been there. I mean, he has more of a stamp on the team. Yeah, clearly they're the preseason hype for the Terps is pretty pretty big. I mean, certainly top twenty, maybe even higher. Yeah, um, it's interesting though because I think they were picked sixth or seventh in the Big Ten. They're oh, saying, really? yeah, they're saying the Big Ten is loaded between Michigan State, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, um, Michigan, Ohio State. Because they got that stud who who was a freshman last year, he's he's you know preseason All Big Ten first team or whatever. So it's going to be loaded. I think Maryland's going to be top four or five. Right. I, I really do. I I think Willard's a really good coach. I think he manages the game well, and I'm excited, man. You know, senior t- senior point guards, man. What we say, dude. When you look back at at Turgeon's best years, you think Mellow Trimble, you think um, Anthony Cowan, um, you think those guys, Des Wells, you know those kinds of guys. Yeah. You know. De- that's what you got in Jameer Young, man. You know what I, I mean? think about Gary Williams? Chris Wilcox. <laughs> that's what I want Juju to be. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Juju could be – he could be the man this year. He really right. could. He's got to keep his head about him. He's got that fucking mean streak to him. Right. Willard likes it, though. So, uh, hey, roll with it, kid. You know? I'd rather that mean streak be on the Maryland fucking football team. You know? <laughs> when do they open up? Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Okay. Who they got? Mount St. Mary's. There we go. Maryland versus Maryland. Yep. But right after that, they go on the road next weekend 
two. It's a little two game tournament, tournament mini like mini tourney. It's actually in like Asheville, right. North oh. Carolina. But they're they're going to play Davidson in the first game, who's you know one of those mid major teams, and then it looks like in the second game if they win they'll play Clemson. Okay, so 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 two decent games right after your first one, which I right. kind of like. Um, and then they actually have an early season Big Ten game against Is Big Ten, Big Twelve in that in it like the SEC Big Ten, some one of those, so, something like that. Yeah, right. um, but they'll play. I want to say they play Villanova in a, in a neutral site. They play, you know, like they they've got a really interesting schedule. You need um, some of those games and. We all remember the disaster that was UCLA last year when they came and just destroyed Maryland. Well, Maryland's got to go to UCLA this year oh. in in December. It's like December sixteenth or something like that. Have COVID that game. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, there, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm super excited. Um, I'm I'm ready to go. I not going to lie. I think the reason I'm more excited is because football has taken a tailspin, so I've got to look at something else right. as a positive. Well, that's why I was bringing it up. Oh, 100%. What's more positive than what hasn't happened yet? What could be? You know, potential's everything. All right. Let's end the show with the discussion we need to have. Nick Backstrom. All right. Before we talk Nick Backstrom, real quick, and I know Caps just gave up a goal in the first minute, but I'll say this. How much better have they played over the last five, six games? They seem to be competent. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're 4-3-1 and one now, right. which – when they were one three and one, I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, yeah. we're in trouble. They look to have righted the ship a bit. They, a they, little bit, yeah. You know, they're. I like the system that they're playing. It's it is the new age NHL. My my issue with Laviolette the last two years was he was still stuck in the early two thousands. Right. Um, this system is way more conducive to how the league is playing. With that though, you're going to get swings. You're going to have games like we saw where we were terrible against Ottawa. Bounced back against Toronto, but didn't get the result, and then won three in a row. So it's going to be a weird. How weird was that Jersey game? <laughs> Up three nothing, down four three, and then you win six four on the six, road. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's it so weird. weird. Um, but that's that's this NHL. The elephant in the room, Mister Nick Backstrom. You asked me before the season, how do we acquire more talent? How do we? And I said, well, we can't. Well. If this is the beginning of the end, which I think it is for him, I think because is. this is of his own accord, um, I think he probably retires and goes off into the sunset. We are stuck with a portion of the cap hit, but in the short term right now, while he is taking care of his mental you know, uh, acuity and, and figuring out what he's, he's going to do. He's doing solid for the squad. He, he is. We can bank the long-term IR money by putting him on IR. Yeah, so, so he's, he's doing he's doing it for the team. And of course, you know, some of the people on the message boards, the same people that are like, you know, oh, the caps are old. They're they're like, oh, Backstrom's gone over. You'll never get the record. I'm like, you guys are so fucking stupid. It's an easy fix this year, as far as I'm concerned. Center one is Dylan Strom, like I told you, he should be. How fucking good is that guy playing right now? Um, center two is Kuznetsov until the trade deadline, and then you figure out what you want to do with that guy because right. he still is – like a Chase Young type offer. Yep, because he's pissing me the hell off right yeah. now. Um, in my opinion, center three is Connor McMichael, and center four, once he's healthy, is Nick Dowd. I believe that that is a very competent group of centers down the middle that this team can win with and probably make the playoffs with. I, I honestly believe that. Um and guys like the veterans that are coming back from injury, I mentioned Dowd. Then you've got Joel Edmondson and Max Pacioretty that are both going to be in this lineup in a few months. It's a decent, it's a decent lineup, Jerry. Well, well, I'm not saying they're great, but they're decent. What's the scuttlebutt, rumor-wise or not, of the cap availability 
now that Backstrom's on long-term? What are some of the positions, if not names, they're targeting? So I have not heard any names per se yet. Still early for that. But the fact that they can stash him on long-term IR will give them the ability to make a significant move later in the season. I mean, you would think they would have to go defense. I mean, their defensemen, I mean, I don't know if they're good or bad or indifferent. I don't know how they're playing. I'm thinking that defensively, they're fine. And, and I know you're not going to like that, but... Um, well, they got to use it on somebody. Yes. I, I, think, I think you're going to see another centerman come back our way. I think you're going to see another young centerman in the, the Strom light department. Because when we got Strom, he was a 3C. Right. People were like, oh, okay. And then we resigned him. They were like, oh, that's 2C money. He's clearly a 1C. I mean, that guy can play. Right. Um, and it's interesting because... He can o- certainly play here. Oh, uh, he can certainly play here. And uh, you know who loves him is Ovi. You know, and Ovi's been a little snake bit in the last couple of games. I don't know if you saw the uh, the game against San Jose. Uh, yeah. He he should have had a hat trick. I I, saw, I, just, I don't know how it didn't I saw go Neil in. Neil Greenberg tweet out he's getting a little bit worried about the record, um, just because he's not you know. But but Ovi does this. It might take longer than he wanted, but he ain't retiring until he's not leaving NHL until he gets that record. And the the goals come in waves. Right. And. As much hockey as Ovi has played, this newer aged NHL where the the speed is a little bit more at the forefront and everything else, even though he doesn't have the wheels he once had, it's going to benefit him. A faster, more frantic game is better for a poacher and a goal scorer, and that's what he is. So I think he'll have he'll have one of those stretches like in December where he'll he'll score six and four games. Right. Like that, right. That, that's, that's how it always does. It's gonna happen. Um and again with Carberry, who I love by the way, I just you know, even when they were one, three, and one, he was like, ah, "Not worried, man." He's like, "We're we're, we're skating, we're learning, we're we're getting it." He's like, "We'll we'll get there." He's like, and it, you know, it it he goes, "It might take the whole year." He's right. like, "But we're gonna get there." And and he's not afraid to play young guys either. No. Um, the other day, uh, I forget who was a last minute healthy scratch, but um, called up Lapierre instantly. They have a bunch of veterans down there, you know, in Hershey, and he called up the the young kid. I like that. They want to see what they've got in the pipeline. They want to play these guys. They Speaking want to the make devil. sure, you know, that they're, you know, that they're giving these guys an honest look, unlike what McMichael failed to get. Right. And you can say it works both ways. Maybe he didn't do enough to get the looks, but he certainly had old school coaches who weren't really interested in giving him looks either. No, I mean, I think he's having a pretty good start. Oh yeah, yeah. So. yeah. No, he he looks the part right now. He looks like an NHLer to me. Dude, Protus um, just almost killed this guy. <laughs> uh, Protus is enough. He still haven't gotten up. <laughs> Protus is a good young guy. Um, and you know who's – oh, earlier in the year you asked me, who do we have on this team that can take the, the tough guy burden mm-hmm. off of Wilson? And uh, Mallinson. That's what that's – Mallenstein or – Mal- yeah. I, I said it at the time, but I didn't really believe it. Now I've seen him play. Yeah, man. Dude, that guy hits like a Mack truck. Right. You know, I love the way he plays. So they're, they're rounding into form. Again, I'm singing their praises only because I'm excited about the fact that they look like a good, competent franchise. Right. And I thought we were going to be a year away from that. So, uh, Pel- you know. He, uh, he hit Pellick. Oh, yeah. Pellick. Ryan yeah. Pellick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't brutal. He just hit him right in the, right in the freaking hip. Ugh. Oh, well. You know. Yeah. Too bad, so sad. Rough yeah, game. He's, yeah, he's he's headed off. Um, he has a hit pointer. <laughs> yeah. So so hey, man, excited about the Caps. Excited about Terps basketball. And here's the deal, man. If Maryland football, they haven't really had a signature win under Loxley. Think about it. They haven't beaten somebody that they really shouldn't. Didn't they beat? 
Penn State that one night that Chris? That was COVID. That was so yeah. weird. There was nobody in the stands. It was so weird. Right. You know, um, I don't really count that one. Um, they even under fucking Randy Etzel, they won at Michigan. You know, look with CJ Brown at quarterback. Like, you know, they need a win that that we don't see coming. Maybe this is it. You're right. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's it, but it needs to be it. I, you know what I mean? This, they, is, this is the got, biggest game in Mike Loxley's career. If they've got can, a rabbit in the hat, you got to pull it out right, now. Because I can tell you, being around kids, they notice this shit. They're not going to yeah. go somewhere unless you overpay them. That's right. Right. That doesn't have juice. And he had juice to start the year. He had and juice to start the year. It is, it is dwindling fast. So, hey, I'm a Terp fan. I'm rooting for them. But I see the game, and I see a very weak-minded team that hasn't been able to get over the hump. And until they do, I'm going to criticize them. Right. You know? So. We'll see how it goes. Yep. So go Terps. At least we're going to have beautiful weather. Looks like a great tailgate day. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, hey, I, I, once I get there and I'm in my seats, Fuck yeah, I'm going to root for Maryland. I wanna, <laughs> you're not going to root for Penn State, no, right? I, I, I you're not going to be booing well. Loxley when he yeah. comes out, right? Yeah, but uh, I think I'm going to be a little subdued, though. I'm not going to you know, let my hatred you're gonna for... you going to keep your shirt on? I'm going to keep my shirt on, you know, for, for for the benefit of everyone around me. I'm going to go ahead and keep my shirt on. Um, it's not going to be an old school West like Virginia again. Old school, <laughs> the rain. <laughs> Fucking you were so bad. You were like, God, we suck. Um but yeah, so we'll uh, you know we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Um, so go Caps, go Terps. I'd say go Commanders. But I honestly, if if Sam Howell can, the best thing for the Commanders right now is if Sam Howell continues to develop. Yeah. And they only win one or two more games. And you don't need to find <laughs> uh, you don't need to find a quarterback next year. That's right. So, hey man, lots going on, lots to talk about, and we'll do it again next week. All right, brother. All right, let's do it. Peace, wings, beers, and tears. See you later.